dystopian fiction has been moved to current affairs. Hello and welcome to Dystopian Fiction Has Been Moved to Current Affairs. This is a podcast about dystopian society in TV, film and literature. I'm Claire Coombe, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm an educator and writer. Um, Hello, I'm Marsha, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm uh, about to be a student at Sheffield University. Um, This is episode one on The Last of Us, uh, which we're very excited to talk about, and um, enjoy. Cool. So, synopsis of The Last of Us. Okay. Um, if I'll just, I'll go straight in. So, I'd say our overall description is it's a post pandemic world um, where this infection of fungus has spread across the globe very quickly. Um, and it's the show starts off in episode one with the initial infection and then ends 20 years later into this pandemic where the whole entire world has changed. Um, what, what else would you add, Claire, if you're like, that's... I suppose the thing that interests me about it is that obviously the pandemic itself is an ongoing problem. But mm-hmm. I guess the challenges that are faced by society yes. are not limited to um, the pandemic. That's yes. the trigger for so yes. much else. Um, and I've only seen the show, but uh, you've played the game as well. So what, what are yes. the main differences, would you say, between the two? Ooh, and there's a, a, you know what, episode one, I think, when it initially came out, everyone was raving about the fact that even visually it was almost one-on-one, like the game. I think the the part of the episode where um, uh, Joel, his brother, and his daughter are, like, um, driving away, trying to drive out of, te- like, somewhere. Where are they? Houston, Texas? Is that where they initially uh... Uh, that's very possible. I know uh, they like then to go say. to Boston. <laughs> I think it is suddenly. <laughs> yes, um, but they're trying to drive out of the city, and that the the way that they shot it is almost one on one like the mm. game. But right at the beginning of the episode, they have mm. which this this part isn't in in the game. Mm. They yeah. added there's a number of scenes that they added throughout the show. One of the scenes is this interview with. Um, so it's, this is in the interview within the show is like set in the sixties or the seventies, and it's this like expert um, on like pandemics and uh, infections and stuff, talking about you know possible you know future illnesses that could come about, and you know and it's it's interesting to sort of, sort of watch this interviewer and the audience kind of like initially laughing and kind mm-hmm. of you know kind of giggling at the idea that um that you know this interview is not not the interviewer the guest is saying okay fungus may be the next big killer in this in the sort of equation and everyone's kind of giggling giggling at him and thinking oh gosh what what what's he saying but then there's this this line that he drops about um uh what if there was uh you know a scenario where the t- like global temperatures were rising mm-hmm. and then suddenly the like audience and this like interviewer go a bit quieter um and it's it's interesting to sort of see that like ball drop where we were just we were saying that um it's you know especially now it's very relevant um with the like talk of global warming and mm-hmm. things um obviously within the show it's this interview is being held in the 60s but even then you like as a as a viewer of this first episode you're like oh my gosh the relevance of that and like the the fact that uh, like after this show came out lots of people were saying well, is there a possibility of <laughs> fungus actually you know taking over and causing such a pandemic um and it's yeah 
It's scary. Um, I think also, you know, for when we're thinking about this post-COVID, mm. um, mm. a greater awareness of the idea of um, the development of, of new diseases, yes. um, especially um, as a result of, of human impact on the on the planet mm. and so on, uh, it becomes particularly uh, relevant. And I think it's also interesting that we saw um, the loss of certain aspects of our society as a yes. consequence of, of COVID and the idea of the removal of civil liberties. And mm. that's something that The Last of Us obviously takes to its um, full potential. You know, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you know, we're not talking about lockdowns, we are talking about um, something that needs to be eradicated. Yes, um, yes, which they take to extreme levels, obviously. <laughs> um, well, I guess, well, I don't know whether we'll get to that later. <laughs> we could talk um, about that now, okay. I think. I mean, it's one of the things that obviously has the shock factor to it mm -hmm. is that bit of the, the flashback at the beginning of um, episode two um, with mm -hmm. the uh, expert uh, in mycology in, in yes. Jakarta. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And I just wondered, you know, you obviously have an interest in... Uh, disease and mm. medical <laughs> biomedical sciences and so on um yes. how, how did you feel about that idea of an expert being confronted with something that i suppose must be the kind of the worst nightmare of medicine we all sort of assume that ultimately like with covid ultimately there mm. would be a vaccine you know that was that yes. was sort of most people believed that and then you've got this this fictional um specialist saying drop bombs yeah and drop um, bombs well i don't know obviously you know my my knowledge is limited <laughs> not to go to university we can learn more about it but it's i think it's the kind of like even it, in this modern world i feel like you know when experts hear about these issues you know everyone comes in starts doing research obviously when covid was going on like you know, there were, you know, everyone was hearing about like research that was going into these vaccinations or trying to roll them out as quickly as possible. Like, you know, action was being taken. And the fact that this one woman, um, I mean, it, it obviously, I guess, in if this world was expanded, mm -hmm. they would have asked other experts as well about mm -hmm. what they should be doing. Um, but the fact that this like mycology expert saw this and was like, there is no way to stop this infection other than like taking basically like mass genocide as the mm. only option to contain it uh, it's it's scary it's scary um which like fingers crossed that is not something that comes to fruition in the real world um but yeah. no but i do wonder what what would be the right thing to do if you have a disease that is um, so virulent to so say we already had something with covid where we ended up being essentially confined to our homes mm. pretty much yes um so imagine you have a much more virulent disease um where does the state's responsibility lie i don't think that anyone is suggesting that it would be uh such a sort of overnight decision to uh, uh get yeah. the army in and start um shooting people but what what else could have been done within this world it's it's hard to say obviously i'm sat here in my bedroom <laughs> not really like having to make the, if these decisions ever had to right. be made like i would not be the person in charge but i, I mean again what is moral because you would be killing off like like hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. in one go like you know who 
may not even have been infected at this point, who, you know, are innocent in every sense, but then at the same time, you're trying to protect everyone else from yes. getting infected. It's, it's interesting because um, I was talking to a friend of mine how some of the most like deadly diseases and pandemics were actually um, like it was amphibians who'd, who'd be um, infected by these diseases and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it like wiped, it's like caused multiple extinctions of mm -hmm. species um, like, like due to these like ridiculously infectious diseases, but we don't hear much about it obviously because it's not like a direct effect on us as a species. But like, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. And also when it comes to obviously when it comes to, um, you know, uh, like the ev evolution of species and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, diseases come along, natural selection, all that would we like, like in the modern world, we are a stage where the medical facilities that we have and the technology that we have extends our life a lot longer than, mm -hmm. you know, it was before. Um, and people who are terminally ill can be supported. Like what, I don't know, is there, are we also kind of thinking, oh, in the show, for people who haven't seen it, maybe uh, the main two characters is a is a girl called Deli who's who's got immunity, and this uh, man called Joel who's basically transporting her across the country to this hospital where they're going to try and fashion a vaccine out of her sort of condition or whatever. But you know, is it, this is the thing? Is she the only immune person? Mm -hmm. Is this you know? Could there have been people who were like evolutionarily kind of immune through mutations? You know. Oh, I don't know. It's interesting. Or would do you think humanity would have just come to a complete end? In... I think that you raise a really interesting point there. Actually, there's probably two things that that's made mm. me think about. One is this idea that um, quite a lot of the the discussion is this idea about the greater good. So yes. this idea, you know, for the greater good, we must kill people now to yeah, yes, preserve yes. other people mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the kind of microcosm of that um you know when does one person's um life and we'll talk about this later on with with ellie mm -hmm. but um become unimportant in the the face of of a wider purpose yes um and those are some of the questions that really get raised although i also think it's um quite interesting that the other side of what you raised there, which is this question of um, how we feel about human extinction. Mm -hmm. Because naturally, as humans, we might feel that we'd like the um, humanity to, to keep going. But one of the yes. sort of, I suppose, points of of the story is this, this idea of um, cordyceps simply being a greater predator yeah. than humankind. So exactly. again, evolutionarily speaking, you might say, well, that's that's how it goes. One species replaces another as exactly. the dominant species. Um, but we just find that very hard to deal with because exactly. it's been the case you know. for such a long time. Yes. So I'm not saying I want a fungus to take over the world, <laughs> but you can completely see why it could be yeah. the natural course yeah. when you have, um, I guess, a, a species like um, yes. humans that is so devastating on the planet. Um, yeah, um, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, I mean, and it's, it's I really enjoy, especially like the aesthetics of you know both the game and the 
the series where it's kind of this like overgrown mm. like cities where like kind of nature's come back to you know take its course and like you know there's like roots everywhere and vines everywhere and it's kind of like now that humanity has been you know mostly wiped out or kind of like enclosed in these quarantine zones you know nature can like run its course and kind of mm. like come come back a little bit and there's obviously a lot of beautiful moments where I think in is it in the last episode of second to last where they run into like um I think like escaped animals from zoos. they do yes the giraffes particularly yes. Yes. yeah I really like that bit um mm. yes yes yeah you're absolutely right there's lots of sort of touching moments like that and I oh, mm. you also made me think of the credits because the artwork of the credits uh, with the spread of the um, mm. fungal networks is yes. really beautiful. Really um, gorgeous, yes. Far, yeah, sort of makes it, <laughs> it... It's hard because we obviously, I think... Well, I think we do feel pathos for the infected, which is one of the things yes. that is quite challenging about this. Um, yes. On the one yes. hand, it's a zombie game, right? But on mm -hmm. the other hand, the effect of this um fungus on people is yes really so, awful yeah like one of the things i don't know if they necessarily incorporated it as big of a kind of concept or a thing in the series but especially in the game when people have just been infected like maybe the first two or three days they're like it's they're said to still be conscious but they have mm. lost control of their own body so you can some like newly infected will be like speaking over the top of you being like oh, i don't i think Gosh, I don't know if there's like a like a clip that I saw on YouTube of the game where like one of the infected is like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to mm. be like attacking you and stuff. Which is, it's scary to think that they're still conscious but like cannot control themselves. And then where is where do you find the line of like, okay, you are being attacked by this zombie, but at the same time this person's still conscious. Like, is there? But there's nothing you can do at that point. They're they're mm. gone. Exactly. Um, and I think we do see, it's one of the better, I suppose, aspects of humanity that gets retained in a way. I mean, mm. there's a bit where Ellie asks Joel that very question um, and says something like, um, uh, is it hard killing them knowing that they were people? Mm. Um, and similarly, we don't see the bit where she kills Riley, her best friend, mm. but we know what it cost her we see that's always more powerful because we don't see yes. the, the moment um and obviously her sort of survivor's guilt from that as well is is yes, incorporated. huge huge survivor's um, guilt. um but uh and and when marlene kills ellie's mother even though ellie's mother is asking her to do it it's obviously mm. very very hard for her to do it so yeah there's there's still some sort of element of of humanity um there um and even, I don't know if you remember, there's the bit where Ellie goes down into the basement of that um, abandoned shop. Um, yes. When Joel's trying to find his stored stuff. Um, mm. and there's, there's that uh, infected in the corner. And it yes. feels almost like, a, you know, an act of mercy. The mm. bit, well, I felt that way when she stuck him in the eye with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> it felt, you know, it didn't feel, she didn't need to defend herself in that moment. Um, mm but there was something really pleading in the way that they kind of portrayed the yes. face um, of that person. Yeah, I think it's um, also, that scene was kind of um exploration of like Ellie's fascination with, mm. well, especially her like fascination with guns and being able to acquire, acquire weapons and 
like obviously obviously there's this kind of theme of like children who grew up in this you know she was born in this 20-year pandemic and how her childhood was in comparison to for example Joel's daughter biological mm-hmm. daughter he was um she gets killed off in the first episode when this um soldier has like shoots them it's you know awful very sad uh, quite very much in the first episode but um you know it's it's interesting to see that contrast as like Ellie is Joel's adopted daughter and then he has his first daughter Sarah and their differences and how they mm. you know grew up you know Sarah is shown to be going to school and going around the city and stuff whilst Ellie has been confined to a quarantine zone for most of her life is an orphan and like is you know has been taken in by Fedra and you know was learning how to shoot and you know I guess become a soldier for this, you know, government system that they have going on. It's interesting. Exactly, and that strikes me as one of the most powerful threads actually mm. that that runs through. I mean, you're absolutely yes. right. That contrast between Ellie and Sarah, but also the way that, on the one hand, I suppose it makes us kind of question our priorities when um, mm. Ellie finds the. Um, that girl's diary um, in Jacksonville, I think. Uh, yes. And she's saying, you know, is this all they had to worry about? You know, movies yeah. and what to wear and so yeah. on. Um, and there's a joke as well that Joel makes about, um, well, it seems like a joke to Ellie. He's talking about students kind of uh, finding themselves and deciding what they're going to do with their lives, which mm. is completely alien yes, to her for her yeah yeah but then there's also those moments where innocence i mean joel tries to retain her innocence he doesn't mm. want her to have to shoot a gun to start yes. with and he feels very bad when she does in defense of him yes. um and there's all the bits with the joke book um mm. which i feel a yeah touching yes Um, that was a huge thing in the games as well as like mm -hmm. you'd kind of be exploring doing these puzzle solving things as you know playing as Joel and Ellie's character would be constantly like kind of springing out these jokes in the background is is huge and Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice to see their like development of this like father-daughter relationship and kind of going back to the we were saying like the main message of The Last of Us is probably like you know family and its importance Mm -hmm. and that being a motivator to go on and uh, like uh, the world that they're living in um but yeah going back to kind of I guess the futility of like what you'd say modern life mm-hmm. is in comparison like it's it's interesting that like you know with the development of modern society you don't have to think about you know how you're gonna bring food to the te- well I mean obviously depending on like you know various financial situations uh, you know there's nuance to this but you don't necessarily have to think about like got to go hunt down my next meal or I've got to like find a roof over my head for tonight etc etc it's there's there's not that kind of survival factor which like you know obviously like you know 2000 years ago or like probably a bit longer than that you know it was a different story um but it's now kind of back to this like very like I don't know yeah this this kind of basic like actually going out there and surviving and like needing those skills and like being able to do that is like integral um, mm. in in a world like that. Yeah, and obviously, again, you know, we can raise questions mm. about the sort of fictionalization of sort of the collapse of society mm. and, and sort of the post-apocalyptic world, but there's certainly a strong emphasis on the fact that this is a 
a global disease caused by a global food supply chain, the idea of um, flour going to make bread that is then on the shelves that can then spread um, this, this fungus or whatever, but also therefore the fragility of it. Oh, all. yes. And um, um, I think that it, the show does that very effectively, um, showing how easily communities are made small that this is no longer a place where things are made particularly there's a reference in um the second episode i think mm. to the idea of a factory in atlanta that is functioning but it's producing yes. pills and bullets that yes. basically to shoot people and to recover from the fact that you have shot people by yes. getting high um and you know there is a, a plausibility to that um mm -hmm. thinking about what you were saying as well about the idea that in all circumstances obviously some people are in a more privileged position than others in terms yes. of access to food we mm. see that for the most part retained you know we've got fedra who according to uh what's his name captain kwong when he's talking to ellie sort of mm -hmm. he's saying you want to be an officer because you get mm. the perks basically yeah you, you get, get the, the power and you get yeah. the privileges um and then you've got the people who are uh, trying to make a, a a living to exist on these sort of subsistence jobs and also by smuggling the way that joel mm. and his girlfriend tess um are doing when it is considered a criminal offence punishable by, by death to leave the compound. So the world into which we move quickly becomes this one where the, I suppose everything is bad, but those differences between the powerful and the disempowered remain stark. Um, and these quarantine zones are supposed to be safe spaces, but of course we're told that they're exactly the opposite yes um, yes and uh, obviously the initial is the, you know a horrifying bit in oh gosh is it episode three where like the bill and frank episode where there's this kind of flashback to you know as the pandemic was kicking off and they were sending these people to quarantine zones some of you know the extra numbers were taken to the sides and basically massacred by mm. these soldiers and you know uh, Ellie asks Stroll, like, why didn't they, you know, let these people live live on? And he says, you know, dead the dead people can't be infected, which is such yeah. like a, again, one of those questions of like going back to the bombings and stuff. Like, is what is moral? What isn't? These people weren't infected in any way at all. What makes them unlucky to, mm -hmm. you know, be massacred while some people get to go to the quarantine zones? Like, who makes these decisions? How is this? I don't know. There's, the, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it, it's interesting, like, this idea of, like, what's fair and what isn't. And, like, I don't know, what, what like, drives morality and things. And mm -hmm. how, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's, you, you bring us on to a really interesting area of this, mm -hmm. which is these sort of ways of... Um, restoring societal structure mm -hmm. uh, because obviously we said at the beginning this idea that the world is very difficult because there's a uncurable fungal mm. pandemic but also because everything else has fallen apart and into that vacuum we're told in this um fictionalized america um has stepped fascist dictatorship 
Uh -huh. A fascist dictatorship that seems to work on a federal basis, on a but quarantine zone by quarantine zone. So essentially, they're all run by the military, we're told. There's no democracy anymore. Uh -huh. And there's these very extreme actions like you just described. Um, uh, no, no law in place, I suppose, um, mm. anymore. But yes. then we're offered some alternatives to that. And I just wondered whether you thought any of these were convincingly hopeful in a way. I mean, we start with the fireflies. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what do you feel? Does the show want us to be positive about the fireflies form of resistance? I mean, yeah, it's interesting because obviously, you know, the leader of the Fireflies herself, Marlene, I believe, mm -hmm. um, you know, goes on to say we've been fighting for, what, 20 years and mm -hmm. no change has happened. Ultimately, nothing except from when Ellie comes along has, you know, brought about any sort of change in the status quo, mm -hmm. uh, you could say. Um, and it's interesting in the second game, which I've I've only played half of. Okay. Um Yes, uh, you know, um, courtesy of my friend who, you know, mm -hmm. actually has, <laughs> um, you know, a PlayStation and stuff, very, very kind of her. But um, I haven't finished playing it, but in the second game, which, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, they're going to be making the second season, mm. season, season based off of, um, the Fireflies no longer exist. So they basically disband, um, they fall apart. So I ultimately, it's, you know, it's interesting to see that they weren't, that much of a successful organization mm. but you know they have the kind of uh what's the phrase that they have um oh god follow the light or follow the light yes and the light. Yeah. light and darkness kind of theme going yes on. Um, yes yeah um, which yes which when you look at it sort of sounds like some <laughs> sort of sort of slightly fatuous kind of religious message yeah. or whatever yes um, very kind of you know we're saying like promises promises of like a false kind of salvation yeah and they obviously <laughs> yeah because they're saying you know they want to restore democracy which we might mm. see as a very good endeavor um but the manner in which they seem to be doing it is failing so it could lead us into all sorts of discussions that I'm sure we'll come on to in other um, future episodes of this podcast. But the idea of when you want change, how can you make it come about in a society? Yeah. And on the one hand, this idea of kind of violent resistance um, is seen as being effective, but also not necessarily um, rendering real change or change for the better anyway mm. there's sort of those allegations i think that you know when ellie and riley are talking about whether it should be um riley should stay with fedra and try mm -hmm. and uh, change things from the inside or go yes. off and join the fireflies um there's all this language of kind of um terrorist versus freedom fighter yeah the the discovery of the bombs that yes. riley is um involved in um, creating to kill soldiers and also there's a passing reference to the fact that the fireflies um, had blown up food stores as well so impacting mm. on civilians yes um, and that's you know this is a long argument in in many places where regimes have been overthrown mm. um, but uh, certainly the fact that they disband I think is very interesting because I think we see the beginning of that sort of mm -hmm. end in their yes. In fighting yes um, hugely Usually. And it's the kind of um, 
Oh well, I will. I won't, you know, spoil any part of the second game or season two. But um, yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> dregs of the plot. <laughs> it's like the kind of like last people who mm. who were there. Um, the kind of kick off the plot of the second game. Um, which oh oh my god, it's heartbreaking. But I won't say anything. That's there <laughs> to find out later when the event. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, it's it's not cheery, but um, it's yeah, it's interesting to sort of see like the the like the events of the first season, first game, you know, directly influence the second mm -hmm. game. And you know the events that happen. Well, I mean, that is what good writing is, really. It's like... Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm quite pleased to see that because there is a lot that uh, I suppose remains unfinished, even though we have a good story oh, okay. arc what in would that you season. Say... I think. Well, what would you say is I suppose. I suppose it's largely for me about the relationship between Ellie and Joel um, okay. that feels very open-ended in a good way really probably. okay yeah um but um maybe that's something we want to come back to at the very end of this just to to think about mm. how, kind of how that that ending goes because actually as you were talking about the fireflies there i was thinking about whether we compare them with the resistance movement um in kansas city uh the one that seems to have the we the people slogan that's run by kathleen um mm -hmm. and that resistance movement because that of course has uh evidence of a of a people's resistance that has overthrown yes. fedra yes um, done i suppose what the fireflies set out to do in some manner except for the mm. fact that what do we think about what we're left with do you think in terms yeah, of yeah i mean kansas city now looks like well, I, you know, I feel like it's just kind of, uh, gosh, I mean, Kathleen's, you know, kind of way of running things is interesting. You know, her brother's described as this uh, good, kind leader, but under his, you know, leadership, no, no change came about. Yeah. And then, well, I guess his death caused change, which is kind of like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like ultimately, you know, what's his name? Hen Henry, I think. Henry, yeah. Yeah, Henry he says, oh, him. I, you know, I I I betrayed him. I gave him mm. up to Fedra. Mm. But ultimately, Henry's actions actually caused a change in in the kind yeah, of yeah. That's true. Kind of precipitating them into yeah. kind of the action actually. that they then then yeah. take. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's one of those things, isn't it, where we're presented with this sort of abstract government force as being really bad, problematic. But then when we see the alternative, it feels yeah. um, even worse in many ways. And I think part of that is, again, you know, there's the, the, the quality of characterization in this narrative where Kathleen is portrayed as completely sort of normal woman, you know, even should be kind of kind, nice. Um, somehow we're led into you know, subscribing to sort of stereotypes only to discover that she is ruthless and that she yes. even kills, even kills you know, the doctor who brought her into the world. Yes. Um, and she has this completely obsessed vendetta with yes. uh, finding Henry. It's, yeah, it's really interesting to see like a female ca like character to have that sort of like archetype of this like mm. ruthless, like I, mm. I, I feel like, I don't know, I can't really think of any sort of like similar I don't know I probably, you probably could think of but she's she's just full ruthless kind of you know does what needs to be done well d 
does it need to be done we don't know well but... that's the question isn't it I mean, <laughs> on the one hand you could say it's you know she's a chosen leader so there's there's mm. something that is different about her but chosen by obviously just a group because a whole <laughs> load of um so-called collaborators are, are obviously mm. um uh killed and of course her leadership fails because she becomes so obsessed with trying to find henry and yes. kill um other people in her society that she takes yeah, her after ball taking, with respect yeah. to uh the infected which is ultimately yes. um you know what ends that her, episode her <laughs> yeah oh yeah. Uh, um, yeah i don't know which is yeah interesting how kind of her like you know kind of um search for revenge on henry kind of clouds her to you know what what ultimately needs to be done like she created a change but also her led to her own people to their doom i guess when it yeah. comes to you know yeah yeah um, tense um, episode <laughs> it is we could probably take the conversation here to sort of some of the other models of of survival so we've been focusing mm. on kind of the quarantine zones and yes um uh what potentially happens in in those civic areas but we've also offered sort of some other ways of of living um mm -hmm. uh, the first of which of course is um bill conspiracy um... theorist <laughs> bill um hey. and uh the fact that he is already hiding in his cellar with yes. a security camera system and Hilarious. 20 odd um <laughs> major guns on his wall at the point at which um the uh, oh, the uh boots are heard above and so on yes um, yes so oh. Love that episode. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> Bill's solution to this whole situation um, is to, well, use his uh, survivalist training and equipment yes. and the fact that everybody else has left his yeah. small town to turn it into his own personal kind of safe compound. Yes, indeed. With nobody else indeed. because he doesn't like people. Honestly, so, yes. What it's, do we think? <laughs> honestly, I uh, I love the initial kind of um, montage of him just going about like he's he's this is the moment that he's been waiting for. He's been waiting for some sort of breakdown of society to like come along and he can like spread his wings. You know, he's probably, you know, back in the days when society pre pre pandemic, he was probably thought of this like crazy man who lives down the street with all his guns and like secret bunker under his house. But now, you know, look at him. He's thriving. But um yeah, I, I mean, obviously not everyone has, you know, the the survival skills and or equipment that Bill does just kind of like lying around the house, you know, ready for mm -hmm. the next, uh, you know, apocalyptic event. Um, so, you know, but he is an interesting kind of archetype to look at. You know, there are people out there who are obsessed with these sorts of things um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I mean, he, he lives a very effective, he even kind of was saying, even though, you know, he's kind of built this compound for himself, he still kind of retains the quality of like culture yes. and enjoyment in his life. You know, he makes himself these like perfect looking mm -hmm. steaks and like salads and he brings mm -hmm. out these bottles of wine that he has. Um, and, you know, he seems quite happy in his solitary life and he still he still makes an effort to, you know, kind of live well in the way that he would like mm -hmm. to, which I think is, is really nice because as well as him being all about survival, he's not afraid to also just like make the most out of a situation and just actually still enjoy 
living. Yeah. Uh, and I think you make a really good point that, you know, this is a this is a, a very kind of, you know, an outsider, uh, uh, you know, um, I think does Ellie ask you know are Bill and Frank nice and uh, Charles says well Frank is you know, <laughs> Bill does not like people and you know I think Frank says to him later on where you know you live in a psycho bunker where the government are all Nazis <laughs> and Bill to his great satisfaction is able to say the government are all Nazis um, but obviously you know I, I agree with you there's something you know beautiful about. Bill's dinners and, and the yes. way that he, he kind of keeps his house and things like that. But it comes at this yes. enormous cost, which is, you know, it's not really infected who are the risk to him. It's mm. other people. Yes. And we don't huge. see a huge amount of this. We see one infected killed by one of his um, booby traps. Mm. Um, and we see the night that, you know, the raiders come. Um, but we can assume that it is not only Frank who comes near and is just an ordinary innocent unarmed bloke who ends up down a hole so how much do we how much do you criticize bill for frank being basically the only person he lets in I mean, you know, as we're saying, you know, and I think Joel says it as well, it's not necessarily the infected you should be worried about, it's other people out there. Um, so you've got to be, you know, real careful about who you let into your life. Like even at the kind of beginning of the episode where, you know, Frank comes in for a meal and he's, you know, on his own and stuff like we we we've seen examples where you know there's you know, groups of people have like tried to ambush like Joel and Ellie by trying to like kind of trick them into helping out some man on on the street it, you know it could have been a situation like that you've got to be you know really careful and luckily Bill actually found just you know some random guy called Frank who needed a hand and he wasn't some sort of like you know bait uh for you know I suppose that is that is true. I, maybe maybe I'm naive or something, but one of the things I find perhaps most sad is how very quickly um, this and many other narratives about kind of humanity and desperation see mm. a complete loss of of altruism. I mean, right from episode one, they don't stop the car for the people with the baby. They, you know, yes. just, uh, and as you say, it becomes evident the risks as time goes on. But yes, the way that everything becomes no trust, but purely transactional. And although we see what turns into you know this beautiful love story between Bill and Frank, it starts off as as transactional. You know, Frank agrees to sleep with Bill in return for staying a few more days because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yes, his yes. argument that he's not a whore because he doesn't have sex just for a, a lunch <laughs> uh, but he'll have sex for lunch and a few more dinners and nights and of course oh, it becomes yes. something else but yes it does it he is able to offer i suppose the one thing that bill needs and lacks yeah and that is companionship um, yeah. You know, and I, that becomes a driving factor for Bill. Well, you know, again, coming back to the theme of found family and stuff, mm -hmm. it becomes a driving factor for Bill, which, you know, he writes into his letter for Joel, you know, you have to look mm -hmm. after those around you. And that is mm -hmm. what drives people like, you know, Joel and Bill to do with the mm -hmm. things that they do is yeah. protecting their loved ones, um, mm -hmm. which I think is very beautiful. And to like just mention like a favourite part of that episode, episode three, is the bit where... 
Frank like shows Bill some strawberries that's that so he's grown. Stupidest, oh, so cute, so cute. I was oh, this literally like fills me up with such yeah. joy. <laughs> it's lovely. Like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Oh, And the fact that it, oh, it's it, yeah, it's touching in lots of ways. I mean, one is obviously that kind of the 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 joy of of fresh fruit and so on. But there's also the fact that you know he says that he traded one of um, Bill's guns for some strawberry seeds. <laughs> and sort of Bill's horror, even though we know that he's got like hundreds of guns. Yes, yes, So, literally. yeah. Oh, so Um... funny. No, but again, it's like one of those things of like fresh fruit isn't something, you know, we necessarily need to think about like having to, you know, not have. It's, you know, a huge privilege, but it's just, oh, it is, it is those simple pleasures like that, which I feel like you hugely lo lose out on in, in so, like such a sort of post apocalyptic situation that, Mm. oh, Yeah, gosh, it was touching, real touching. it is touching. I mean, it might be a good moment uh, before we move on to kind of other models of society to think about one other thing that I suppose Bill and Frank have that very few other people are able to have, which is this idea of kind of retaining dignity up till the end. And um, as we see kind of Frank's deterioration, his terminal illness, his decision to take his own life, um, and Bill's decision to, to, to go with him and to do it in this beautiful way where they have this Yes. final day together. Yes. And one of the things that really interests me, their sort of decision to, to get married uh, in that final day when they're going to, to die, which is, you know, an institution that really doesn't mean anything in Yeah. this society in a legal sense or a structural sense or, you know, showing your love to the people around you. There aren't any people around them. Um, and to have that that structure, that that dignity right to the end, whereas we've seen, you know, mass cremations and um, and so on uh, are the way that other people end Yes. up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, It was. Yes. It was a really. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because so in the game, the like first kind of title card you see is um, this like window in some sort of like broken down apartment. You know, there's like again like plants growing everywhere. You know, completely overrun. But there's like a curtain and a knife that kind of you know the curtain's
you spend some time with Bill kind of like fighting off infected and trying to find this battery in this car. And the story of Bill and Frank in the game is very different where, you know, they are, it, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I'd say it's explicitly stated they are together. Like it's, it's said like multiple times, kind of like in passing that like Bill and Frank are partners. Um, but uh, Frank actually runs away after they have, um, you know, an argument and is later found um, uh, having been gotten bitten by infected, he killed himself. Ah. Yeah. And it was, it's a lot sadder than, you know. That's it, very interesting, given everything we were just saying yes, about yes. what I see as the significance of that death that they're yeah. able to have that it, it's changed um in that yes. way because it does develop that theme yeah of dignity and yes and also one of the other things that i haven't mentioned that interests me is is this theme of of, of culture and mm -hmm. art because yeah. frank paints we see yes. you know his paintings all over the house and you know his his sort of decision to die seems to mm -hmm. be when he's no longer really able to paint uh, and for me yes. that that contrasted very strongly with um, what I felt was quite a metaphorical use of the museum when Joel and Tess and Ellie have to pass through this space <coughs> mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. no longer, um, you know, the paintings are all covered over with concepts yes. and so on. So there is no scope for, for art, mm -hmm, no place mm -hmm. for art and culture anymore. Yes. But in Bill and Frank's world, it still exists. It still does, um, yeah. And it, it's the kind of, yeah, what we're saying is mm. the care that he takes in in his house. He has a piano, mm. like there's the flowers that they both take care of, Frank and Bill, which is just, oh, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just... and that piano theme, of mm. course, I mean, that, that both brings them together and that gets played in the car as... Uh, oh, yes. I know my parents are obsessed with that song afterwards. <laughs> a long, long time, is that what it's called? Uh, long, long time by I think Linda... So. Let me just, oh yeah, Linda Ronstadt, long, long time. That's right, yeah. Oh, beautiful, um, it, absolutely it, beautiful. It's perfect in that moment, but it mm. also reminds me that uh, in episode nine, I think it is, when um, Joel talks about, um, he's already mentioned that, you know, in the ideal future, everything's back to normal. He would have liked to have been a singer and he has this idea about getting hold of a guitar and teaching Ellie to play. And again, these sort of, leisure pursuits these these arts and culture thing so, mm -hmm. they're mostly lost but we see the desire yeah. for them um yes. still there yes. and still which again for me has that idea of of a sense of hope a kind of thread of, mm -hmm. of humanity being uh perhaps one of the reasons that you know we might argue that humanity is better than fungus uh you know the way that mm -hmm. uh, we can create that art and culture mm -hmm. so we get two other kind of sort of models of society um mm -hmm. and the next one kind of chronologically is uh our communist um commune mm -hmm. um yes. jackson oh, yes. mm -hmm. um which i suppose is the it, it's it's the most positive of the the versions of yes. what what a yes. new society could look like uh, has a de democratically elected council. Mm. Uh, it has shared ownership of all these these things. They yes. um, have electricity um, and and so on in a way that we've not seen in in many of our other uh, mm. examples. So just wondering, how positive did you feel 
that um, space is in the way that I'd it's say presented. you know it's it's very I mean it's interesting that all of all the different I will get onto the weird cults <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously um but yeah of all the different kind of you know societies or kind of ways of living that we've been shown this one is you know the kind of communist one is you know it's very interesting um it's the most like positively presented um which you know I love that for the creators love that bit of push uh yeah represent um camaraderie in that but um it is it I mean it's so this is I was this is my question was how it's quite a large community i'd say the largest of the, the ones that we'd seen outside of the quarantine zone did i write down 300 people is that, in my that notes it? i think uh, she says maria yeah, says yeah 300 people mm. that, and that's, that's that's still quite huge that's actually mm. huge um and it's you know it all seems to run very smoothly and out like i'm i'm curious how you know first of all how kind of careful are they about letting in newcomers mm. again kind of discussing like you know raiders and like you know people on the outside who'd want to cause harm to such a community like how many new people are they taking on and how big can such a society get before you know would it still be successful at 500 800 mm. like with a population of a thousand what you know what are the implications of of it and i i i was quite pleased that the the show really addresses that particular mm. point head on you know i think ellie asks joel you know was that what the world was like and he says no the world was too big you know you can't yeah. run that kind of community yeah um but we do also see i think the sort of the costliness in terms of the fact that as you said you know who else will they take you know um, and actually there's a lot of reference mm -hmm. to, well, it's the, the old couple in the cabin who first tell them about, you know, the river of death and the fact that, you know, everybody dies if they go that way. Um, mm. And, you know, Maria argues that, uh, you know, you don't have to be bad to have a bad reputation, mm. but obviously the implication is there. Um, and likewise, the fact that, you know, Joel's travelled all the way to Wyoming because he thinks that's where his brother is and Tommy hasn't been allowed to make contact you know the, there's yeah you don't want the wrong kind of people and people. Joel starts saying well am I the wrong kind of people which of course he probably is if he hadn't had a brother already yes. inside, the, In, inside the yeah um, yeah so yeah I suppose it, it it's again it's 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 an extension of the the Bill and Frank question for me in a way, what are the ethics of not just turning away people in need, but you know, killing them, killing them off potentially because of this lack of, of trust that has entered society. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, it's an interesting example, but obviously it's where they go back to at the end and therefore we are supposed to see it as the safest obviously juxtaposed as you mentioned with the cult uh -huh. uh, after which yes it probably does seem a really <laughs> good option um for me of all the sort of um failed leader figures mm. or problematic leader figures that we see david is the most Yes. Frightening. Yes, um, hugely, hugely. 
you know, I, I guess he really does push that kind of like, he's just, what was originally a religious leader? Was he a teacher? Yes, so he said he was a teacher who had become yes. a Christian after yeah. the apocalypse. Ah, um, so that's which, one of the things yeah. he says. Um, it's interesting to see what sort of role like religion still serves in like mm. a post-pandemic world mm. you know obviously there's like a lot of that the kind of idea of like you know divine justice and mm. you know a number of different plagues that have been sent on the world by one divine entity or another um which is you know it's interesting um but yeah i think Oh, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot to unpack with this cult because, on top of the fact that you know he's a very interesting leader, he does feed his people, but also he feeds mm -hmm. them like people, <laughs> people which is yeah. you know terrifying. But also, mm -hmm. you know, do they got to do what they got to do? It's it's hard. Uh, this, to yeah, unpack. I mean, this is a great kind of ethical question about when it becomes um, acceptable to to eat other people. And I suppose one of the questions that we don't ever quite see answered is whether they're eating people who have died or whether they're killing people to eat. Yes. I think we get the impression they're probably killing people to eat because Joel is finds right? three more corpses, which seems to me to be <laughs> quite a lot That's for just, funny. you know, the random people in your community dying. <laughs> um, so that was, my, that was my feeling. And obviously they, they threatened to kill Ellie for that yes. purpose. Um, but, you know, the cannibalism is obviously the kind of like the big sort of um, shock moment. But for uh -huh. me, the things that are frightening about him are much more the the manipulation and... Yes, the um, kind of grooming aspect of it. Yeah, um, and the way that obviously he operates this, you know, it's one of the most, um, I guess, patriarchal conservative sort of societies where it's the men who go out and uh do the active work and the women who are kept at home and he of course takes the role of the patriarch and uh he um hits one of the girls when she stands up to him and he yeah. kills one of the men when he stands up to him yeah. um and ultimately the religious thing shifts from his god being uh, the Christian God, which is obviously what he professes, to sort of acknowledging that really his God is cordyceps. That yes. he realised that you know that cordyceps will do anything for its um, survival, um, yes. even violence, and that he believes that shows a form of love, and it's the same love he feels uh, for his uh, flock, who he obviously considers yes. uh, demeaning to. Um, uh, below him in in sort of status mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i think there's this kind of like he was didn't he say he kind of sees himself in ellie because he you know yeah. offers ellie kind of like a like a role by his side and kind of like leading this flock and whatever there's you know there's various kind of subtexts mm. to that and mm. you know um but i like i it's interesting that this kind of like crazy man has been like <laughs> has been like yeah me, me and you Ellie we're like one and the same like and how that might make this you know 14 year old girl mm. but I'm I'm curious what do you think there are parallels that you see in their character or do you think this is another kind of manipulation tactic do you know I'm not sure I think that one of the things that is certainly true is that he is clever mm. and she is clever and yes. they the difference probably is the fact that her she's not 
I would say she was not manipulative as a character. She, you know, she's very upfront about things. I mean, there's a certain sort of manipulation in kind of getting Joel to, to do things, but it, it, it comes from a much better place. It's not yeah. that, that sort of sinister element. Um, and of course, one of the things that he says when he tries to rape her at the um, mm-hmm. sort of end of that um, episode is that uh, he doesn't like being, you know, people don't like being humiliated. That's the thing he can't cope with, that effectively she was cleverer than him. Uh, uh-huh. She breaks his fingers um, and she, um, obviously, one of the things that I think is really powerful and important is that she uh-huh. escapes that whole episode, doesn't need him, she doesn't even need Joel, she yes. gets out of there all herself, which feels like a real sort of turning point in a yeah. narrative where he yes. is essentially a saviour figure. Yes, um, yes. So again, another difference between the show and the game is that in the game, Joel comes in and saves Ellie. Like, she, it gets to the point where she is kind of like, you know, smashing up David with the machete or whatever. Like, she is performing this, like, kind of gruesome act of violence, but Joel comes in and kind of, like, hugs her and says, I'm here. Like, whilst in the series, she kind of finishes the act and comes yes. stumbling out of this house mm. on her own. And she has fully kind of saved so it's like the way that i think joel saves her is more emotionally in the mm-hmm. series which is you know the the creators say this in their own podcast as well i'm basically just quoting. <laughs> brilliant um yeah no he, he saves her more emotionally rather than physically this time and mm-hmm. she's kind of yeah come into her own into her own kind of like survival stunts mm-hmm. and stuff like she there's but the you kind are of, right that she's quite yeah. broken, understandably, yeah, by you know course, an attempted yeah. um, the sexual violence and the threat on her life, yeah. and the fact that she has just committed what is really a very horrific um, murder of, yes. of David, even though it's you know self defence and so on, it's very violent um, act. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So... I think what is also quite nice in the series, which I think isn't as explicit in the game as I feel like. Um, Oh gosh, I was about to say Paul Mescal, <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pedro <laughs> That's Pascal. <the> one. <laughs> Pedro Pascal really kind of brings, uh, I think, more of a emotional kind of connection in like, mm-hmm. like in his performance as Joel, which I feel like mm-hmm. in the game it takes such. Obviously, you're there playing for hours, but I still don't think there's still as much like openness in communication between Joel and Ellie is kind of this like you know they have this father-daughter relationship Mm -hmm. but they don't really speak about that sort of stuff as Mm -hmm. much whilst I think Pedro Pascal you know your portrayal of Joel is like he he does speak about it and he does talk about his daughter and he does Mm -hmm. like you know come clean and like talk about like help Ellie try to get through you know mm. the things that have happened and you can see in the like the next episode like he's trying to cheer her up and she's fully kind of been shut down like mm. non-verbal you know kind of just like trudging along after this like experience that she had with this cult like it's it's mm. I don't know I think it's it's a really good kind of different addition like it just I you know I think that's what the adaptation needed and does really well is like where there are, are needed to be changes they've done them really well and there's mm. hu- like hugely well thought out reasons behind what they kept and what they didn't um but yes i think that i, I enjoyed that and i'm very interested to see 
in season two where they kind of take this relate well you know again no spoilers but um you know there's there's some very in in the second game you do actually get some really touching moments between joel and ellie where you know having them having now living in this commune joel takes ellie on like a kind of day day out kind of trip um for her birthday and stuff and they have some really share some really good moments then but it's 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 interesting i'm very excited to see it I'm very excited yes because one of the most powerful things is obviously this the, the arc the change that mm. occurs um and you know pedro pascal and bella ramsey the dynamic between them really brings a huge amount to that and there's a real delay on that idea of you know, ellie as a daughter um you know, she he argues that uh, she's cargo for such a long time and, yes. and then there's that that shift um yeah obviously um, there's you know a lot of tra trauma connected mm. to that via you know his other daughter you know first daughter sarah mm. um you know and i think there's like that element of him trying to deflect and not you know go through the same sort of mm. thing again you know if something happens to ellie he's gonna go through he's gonna relive the death of another one of his children and that's like you know obviously would be he expresses a lot of that fear, doesn't he, in his conversation oh. with with Tommy? You know that that he can't do it, and he wants yeah. Tommy to protect her now. And I think that's definitely a part of it. Although, you know, again, it's not only that Ellie saves herself, but she also, of course, saves Joel when he gets yeah. stabbed. Um, yes. yes. So yes, yes, the yes. mutuality of their relationship becomes yes. increasingly important. Yes. 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 Indeed. Because um, at first it's kind of Ellie relying on Joel for her mm. survival, but then uh, even in the game you you play major majority of the game you play as Joel, but obviously when he you know becomes mm. injured and has infection, etc you switch over into controlling Ellie and oh, it's it's very interesting with the game mechanics as well you can kind of like a lot of the fighting when you're playing as Joel you can kind of like do hand-to-hand -hand combat because he's this kind of big burly guy like you can kind of handle that sort of stuff but because Ellie's this like teen girl you can't do as much of that so you have to play kind of more stealthily and more thought out more tactics and stuff instead of like going hand-to-hand -hand because mm. you know but which it's you know it's very very interesting very good mm. um but yes, I think it is that kind of turning point where, you know, uh, like they rely on each other and it, there is this kind of mm -hmm. like mutualistic kind of relationship mm -hmm. going on, um, which is really good. Yeah, which is beautiful in contrast with everything we just said about this sort of the, the danger of the kind of yes. uh, patriarchal, charismatic leader figure yes. that we've yes. seen in David. So, um, which probably leads us nicely, I guess, onto mm -hmm. this sort of final question of... Um, the end and mm -hmm. oh yeah for me what becomes yes. you know it raises obviously kind of these big moral questions already raised but also i think i'd want to talk about what joel does for and to ellie in those final yes. scenes so um so first of all we've got this question about kind of discovering that the only way that Ellie can be used to provide a cure or vaccine mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. by basically removing her brain. Uh, so surgery that will result in her death. Um, so thoughts about this? Um... Oh, it's intense. It's mm. intense. I feel like watching it unfold in the series for me it wasn't as powerful as it was like in the game and I, I think that's the difference of kind of 
I you are playing as mm-hmm. the character Joel. So obviously, you know, we the you know we all find out. Oh my gosh, to for them to make any sort of vaccine, which first of all, there's a number of issues that we will. <laughs> but they have to, you know, remove her brain. The like, you know, the cordyceps has taken root in the brain. Whatever that causes her immunity, and to get to it, they need to like chop her up and remove this. So she, you know, Ellie will die, and that's you know, she uh, is under like what well, general anesthetic. She she's not conscious. Mm. They have not told her this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, they said it's going to be painless, but there's an issue of consent here. She's just traveled like like six months. Mm-hmm. You know, like definitely a couple months with Joel across mm-hmm. the country, and he doesn't even get to say goodbye. Like, you know, there is, there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing, that's it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just like, Marlene is like, this is what's going on. And Joel is obviously, you know, like going, no, what the- <laughs> there's a number of issues here, but excuse me. <laughs> he goes on to obviously uh, tramp, 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 tramp mm-hmm. through the, um, through the hospital and kills anyone who gets in his way to save Ali. Which you know, in both inter- instances, the the surgery is going on without Ellie's consent. But also, Joel comes along, kills the doctor who is performing the surgery, mm. and he says, "Make a vaccine," you know, and and takes Ellie away without her consent in that case as well. Mm. But you know, it's certain she has no autonomy in this situation at all. You know, she she's not conscious. So, what is the right thing to do? Because I think. Obviously, there's this question of like, has Joel doomed the whole world? You know, there's no no other person who's immune. Um, you know, she was the only kind of like possible way of developing some sort of cure, and you know, he's gone and 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 doomed the world. But there's this kind of again, there's this kind of thing of like a, a lot of people were saying, you know, whilst you know Joel doomed the rest of the world, he was saving his world, which is you mm-hmm. know. Bit, bit corny, <laughs> but it's true. It is true. But well, yeah, I think you know that's the fundamental question that it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, we can raise. Obviously, you know, there's lots of people have talked about the sort of you know, I suppose problems of the concept because yeah. how could you in such an environment ever create um, a, a a cure or a vaccine? But of course, you know, even if we talk about steps on a pathway to that. You know, whatever. Yeah, the I don't think it affects the philosophical issue. The issue comes down to whether it, there can ever be justification for taking one life to save yeah. many lives. Save um, many lives. Taking us back to sort of the bombing at the beginning. Yeah. And there are issues, of course, about Ellie's consent, but there are also issues of kind of exploitation of a child i feel as well because yes one of the things that we've obviously had highlighted is that you know she is a child they in the show they sort of zoom in on the the uh pediatric surgery sign almost like a Mm. reminder that this is a child so you know if if this were normal circumstances then a parent or guardian would be informed so neither she nor her de facto guardian Uh has a say in this um and Marlene tries to justify it by basically saying, yes, you know, this is the only way and this will save the world. But it's become just a sort of desperate kind of, uh, I guess, tunnel vision or something by this point. And also Um, there's no guarantee they could, first of all, you know, I think we've discussed before, mm -hmm. like there's no guarantee they could make a vaccine out of that. The The surgeon, I think, is like 
a veterinary doctor <laughs> or something like something like that doesn't he i don't i don't even know and also how are they first of all how are they mass producing this how are they you know distributing this across the world like they like ultimately like there are so many steps and things that come before this like you know what side effects could this vaccine have you know they might think gosh it might be a cure like but then you know you might inject someone and some sort of super infected kind of new right like this I think it's really interesting because I completely agree with you. You're thinking about this from a sort of scientist's mentality and I'm thinking about it from a kind of philosopher's mentality, which is, I suppose, the question about even if all of that were beside the point, even if we could definitely get this vaccine out and cure the world, Mm. would it make it right to kill Ellie? Of course not. (laughs) So this is the thing, isn't it? No, I don't think it would be. for the greater good argument, I suppose, you know, the... the... Well, so, well, I guess I'm going, we're all going in with a bias because we've spent the last, like, what, you know, nine hours with this one character, like, but if you were to hear about this sort of story, you know, remove from the context of, like, okay, in the past, one girl was killed in order to create mm-hmm. a battle, probably just be like, oh, yeah, fair play, like... Especially in this world where so much sort of sense of empathy has been Mm. lost. And I think it's really interesting that Marlene is the, you know, the friend of Ellie's mother who saved her as a child, who sort of says, you know, she she understands and still does this. Seems to me to be um, a complete removal. I was comparing this with, um, I popped in the notes because it sprung into my mind, uh, there's a, a series called Professor T, where mm-hmm. the professor of um, forensic criminology or whatever, and he asks this question of all his students as a sort of test. Um, there's a, a fire in a building um, okay. and you can only save one person, but there are two people in the building. One is a scientist who is going to cure cancer and the other one is your mother. Which one do you save? Oh. And there's a <laughs> moment where one oh. of his colleagues gives their answer and basically says, my mother, because if I'm not the sort of person who um, would save my mother from a fire, then I'm not the sort of person who deserves to be cured from cancer. Which is not necessarily a particularly strong argument, but oh, I think yeah. there's, there's, it raises this question of, you know, nobody is unique in the world. Just like you were saying, you know, we're told that Ellie is unique, but she becomes this all sort of encompassing focus for the fireflies and and so on. Um, But she's only really of that much significance to her nearest and dearest, which is just Joel. So that's why she matters, not as a a potential source of a vaccine, but as a a daughter figure. Um, And I suppose as an individual in her own right, her own rights to to life. Um, which is why I find it so hard, because you could argue that she would have had a right to um, give herself up to be killed in the name of a, a vaccine. Um, again, you know, I suppose there's real questions over that with regard to kind of her ability to consent in such a situation. Um, but for me, the real problem is the fact that Joel then lies to her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is the thing I really, I know, I understand why. And mm. maybe if I were a parent, maybe I would, I would feel differently because he obviously fears that she will, um, 
go and give herself up you know she'll feel this obligation this weight of 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 guilt or feeling that you know she yeah again survivor's guilt as well because yeah Joel's gone exactly and killed her hospital yeah and you um, know she's come out of it alive you know yes and which is presumably why he doesn't tell her that he did that either he says yes, you know, there were or whatever but the fact you know i can see why he's doing it to protect her but she sort of says, you know, do you swear? And he says, yes. And it just seems, even though she's, you know, still, you know, essentially a child, although you know, whatever, she's 15 or something by then, isn't she? But even so, it just feels to me to be really wrong, like a, a bigger betrayal of her agency and her ability to consent, or maybe not bigger than you know, being killed and having your brain cut out, but still pretty significant. Mm. I don't know what. What do you think? I seem to remember you saying to me, you know, but isn't it the point that a father does anything for their their child? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Could you? Could you? Which would any? Would not any mm. parent do the same thing that Joel mm. did? Well, maybe not the exact same like <laughs> method massacre. of massacre. Um, you know, but the you know the the man has a certain way of doing things, mm. I, and I think this is the thing I feel like in the game because you are playing as Joel. Mm. You are, I mean, you've been kind of shooting down <laughs> like the whole entire you know sixteen hours or however long the game is. But I feel like again, I think playing it was a lot more heavy for me because I think mm. like I was I was you know like I was performing these actions, I was you know shooting people down and stuff like. Um, you know, whilst in the show, you know, it's kind of, I think also the way they do it, it's kind of a bit of like a fever dream-esque mm. sequence where, you know, like you're seeing these shots and they're kind of like coming in and out. And I, I, I need to rewatch that last episode, to be honest. But I just, I don't think it had the same, like it was still, you know, you're still watching it. And I can imagine mm -hmm. if, if your first, you know, sort of experience with The Last of Us was the show, like it would have, you know, still be, you know, kind of horrifying to watch. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, but I, I, you know, any parent would do the same thing for their child. I'd, I'd hope. <laughs> yeah, which I suppose brings us back to this this message of you know what's if we if we've got a positive takeaway yeah. from this, it might be the idea that uh, yes, you know, it's even when the world could go to its worst possible sort of yeah. scenario um there's still goodness positivity people showing love even if it is reduced to just not your family necessarily but you know a found family a chosen family um however we would describe what they have um so yeah i i feel that a lot of this show for me is very has a very negative view of how humanity deteriorates the moment it is mm -hmm. um, challenged, I suppose. But would you agree? Or do you think it's more? Well, so, I mean, yeah, so what are we saying the main messaging of the show is? Yeah, how... what do you think? I, yeah, I mean, I think it's also, I, I think it's both kind of representative of how humanity does deteriorate, but also you find other ways of coping and other ways mm -hmm. of going on, which is, again, kind of going back to the farm mm -hmm. family thing and finding something to kind of fight for, you say in quotation marks. 
Um, like I think it is the kind of despite the circumstances, being able to survive is like the main kind yeah. of I guess. Theme yeah, that. no, I think that that's yeah. that's fair enough because it doesn't offer a, you know, a world-changing solution. No, um, no, it doesn't. It just um, kind of you know they go on living in the worlds that they've always been living in, mm. but just together and like going forth. Because I guess what kept um, Ellie going before was Riley, but then she'd yes. lost Riley. Then it was yeah. kind of like, oh, you know, she had Sam, who was a little kind of brother figure, mm. um, which I think was, I, I'm very glad in the in the show, I love that they made Sam deaf. It, I think it's very interesting to see how, you know, disabilities are still incorporated in mm. the show. And also like when uh, Ellie finds like some tampons or something, like, you know, that's, it's, it's just like, yeah, the, the, those things need to be like dealt with. It's just yeah. like how, you know, they like just, and it's just a casual thing. Like it's just, you know, something yeah. that has to be done, you, you know, it keeps on going. And they made Sam a lot younger in the show which I think kind of fully like kind of integrates this like, you know, younger brother kind mm. of vibe and stuff. And it's very sweet. And, you know, again, they become close as like children and stuff. And then I don't know, it, it, it goes on, but it's just, yeah, God, I don't know. Yeah, also, those, it's those moments, isn't it? There, there are moments of beautiful kind of yes. relationship. The fact yes. that, you know, that that can still be formed. And I think it is interesting that it's much easier for somebody younger to do that even in this terrible world which does have a sense of of hope to it actually uh joel finds it terribly difficult he's terribly pessimistic we have all these questions about whether he could have lived better being raised but for ellie there's a much more natural inclination to to trust i suppose to have hope um to try and do good things um so maybe that's fundamentally you know one positive that we might yes. take out of um this vision of what humanity does at its worst yeah good do we have anything else that we want to say is that everything probably not because there's loads in the notes but <laughs> anything absolutely crucial that we missed no i wanted to hear what you felt was specifically kind of missing in the ending like in time i think oh. you Yes. Yeah, you... so I think it, it comes down to this fact that we have this this new relationship of a father-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's finally kind of come to its fulfillment. There's a mutuality to it that we saw through um uh the episode after Joel is is um stabbed, all of that sort of thing that's been so positive and we've seen, you know so many glimpses of, of you know, real uh, real happiness coming through in their relationship and then the abundance of lies that Joel tells just seems to me to I suppose take him that little step closer to the worst kind of I suppose father figure it it's I know it is well-intentioned but to me it is still manipulative and mm -hmm. I suppose the fact that on the one hand they're going off to their kind of better world and she's yes. safe and everything is really positive and he's done all this for her um, and there's an optimism to it but the foundation of it just yeah so that's what I felt was missing that can you have that relationship portrayed in such a good way when at the heart of it is something that is to me, yes. so problematic. I mean, you know, I, they will. I believe, you know, without saying anything, they're <laughs> going to 
to that in the second season. That's all I need to know then. Good, good, good. uh, We'll we'll have have a part two. (laughs) Yeah, and again, I suppose that's what what the good writing is because it is a problem and I think that that's what takes us on to something something new Um, and uh, so yeah excellent stuff you've been listening to dystopian fiction has been moved to current affairs with me claire coombe and masha kovleva this podcast is produced in association with the being society project providing political philosophical resources and simulation games for pupils in secondary school in the UK and beyond. If you have more interest in our project, please check out www.beingsociety.com or follow us on social media where you can also find out more about the podcast. See you next time.